In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hi, folks. I'm Jason Keeley, your uh, Starfinder developer, and you're here for we're the panel Ask the Experts, Starfinder RPG Edition. Uh, you've got questions. We'll uh, attempt to provide answers for you, uh, and uh, feel free to pop those questions down in the chat. Uh, I'll be looking at them and asking my distinguished colleagues here uh, the, what they think. And um, uh, speaking of them, let's uh, go around and uh, say who will be uh, with us today. Joe, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, give us a tiny bit of trivia about you? Wow, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Joe Pacini, and uh, cool trivia about me is I'm the lead designer for the Starfinder <laughs> role-playing game. <laughs> Uh, 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 let me ask you this. Let me, I got the first question for you. When is that okay. creature in the image behind you going to appear in an alien archive? Any or, day now. Any day now. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, we also have uh, Jason Tondro. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm a developer for Starfinder. I do mostly the adventure paths. Obscure trivia. I wrote a comic book for Robert Kirkman before he was famous. Like he's you know, the Walking Dead guy. And Robert Kirkman called me the nicest guy in comics. Of course, he's probably met a lot of nicer people since then. Because <laughs> That's pretty awesome. All yeah. right. Um, well, um, why don't we just dive right into this? Because I think we have a, a question here uh, from Jay Bowman, 12,000. Um, they ask, our campaign story structure means we lack cash providing patrons. And we've been having trouble maintaining our gear level short of stripping every encounter to the wainscoting. Nice yeah. use of wainscoting. Yeah. How do you handle seeding treasure in your adventures? Have NPCs wearing level appropriate PC gear? Just assume that everything lootable is for looting. More art pieces, UPBs, crest sticks lying around that can be redeemed for face value. Anyone want to jump in on that? Jake, I see you nodding a bunch. So uh, why don't you well, uh, say it, a few things? I, I, I run a weekly Starfinder game. Like, you know, I, I run the game every week and my players have exactly this issue. Like they're not trained to loot bodies. You know, they're, it's not something that their characters would normally do. And the players are used to coming from a lot of other games that are maybe more story based and less gear focused or credit focused. And so they, they have exactly this problem and I have brainstormed a bunch of ways to fix it. I have even gone so far as to create a loot finder crate service for Starfinder where the player <laughs> characters in the game subscribe to loot finder that mails them <laughs> gear uh, level appropriate gear every time right. they level up yeah yeah um but but um but if you don't want to go that route um think about ways that you can just give the characters big credit rewards from from npcs as you know sort of story awards or um uh you know not then they then they can just get a bunch of credits for something and they can spend it how they want Mm -hmm. And yeah. they don't have to worry about looting bodies. So maybe they get rewards or they get bounties or they um, they do jobs for people, you know, whether it's transporting stuff or just whatever. Like a, yeah. there's a million ways you can do it. You know, they've got that the big NPC who's so paranoid that they don't trust the, the bank. So they have all of their cash on one cred stick. <laughs> you can just get off their body right. when they're dead. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And, 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 and I have even had I've talked to players who also have similar problems, other GMs. And they just tell the players, okay, you leveled up, like, just take the money. I mean, we already do this for, <laughs> for starships. Like, when, when you level up, your starship gets more build points. 
Well, so carry that through to players and say, well, you just get more credits. Like who knows where you got it from? Just spend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you're right. The GM, the, who asked this question, you're doing the right thing. Like you're, you're keeping an eye on it. That's good. Solve it. And, and your players will be, will be happy for it. Awesome. Joe, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you just said, well, well said. I, I well would, if, if they were using our official APs, what, what advice would you have for them? Do you think? Um, I mean, we do, uh, since, since the gear sold is only like 10% of the cash value. I, I, I tend to factor it into the, like the men, the most, uh, the treasure given out, but it's such a small amount. And what we do in APs is to essentially give out about twice as much treasure you will actually need because like uh, uh, our, our question askers um, uh, group might not be looting everybody and they might not find that room that has a bunch of secret treasure in it. So it's just in there to, to make sure that you, you have enough. And uh, as a GM, uh, you know, then you'll have to keep an eye on, make sure that if they do happen to find everything, maybe you need to, to later on in the next volume, you know, take that big treasure cache out of the, of the scenario. All right. Um, I think we have another question here uh, from uh, J.W. Mangrum, who says, so what's the deal with Kamos and Corpsicum? I'm not sure what any of that means. Uh, does that sound like, uh, does that ring a bell no. to anybody? I'm going to search our PDFs for that. Okay. <laughs> you look, at that, look on that real quick, Joe, and we'll come back to that one because uh, it's, Corpsicum sounds like something that we maybe should have. It sure does, yeah. It's for the Corpse Fleet. It's like, a, I can imagine it's some kind of a, Corpse Fleet branded uh, uh, Shiracha. Um, it's a rare uh, material produced when water seeps through the Camo's cliffside burial somethings. <laughs> oh grounds. wow! Oh, it's what astral extractions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Discovered. It's it's a it's a whole Castrovel thing. Interesting. <laughs> what the deal with it is, J.W. Mangrum. Whatever you'd like it to be for your mm-hmm. campaign at this point. We haven't I get answered this question. It's clearly slipped by a lot of our uh, notices uh, until <laughs> until now. But uh, maybe maybe not now that it's in the back of our heads. Maybe uh, we'll, some, you'll see something in the future about all that. That's um, definitely something we do. Right? Is is even. When doing new Alien Archives, for instance, we just read through some of the flavor that we've already put out there and go, oh, that sounds really cool. And then we might not get to the Corpsicum part before we've already got 10 new ideas, uh, yeah, which exactly. you are welcome to do the same because that's kind of why we put it out there. Uh, and uh, here's not a question, just something I'd like to point out in chat uh, from uh, Batusai uh, CR. Jason Keeley, the best Tengu ever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As the, as the moderator of this panel, I'll, I'll get to do that. Um, all right. Uh, you could have at least phrased that as a question. It wasn't you know, a question. Ask one of us. Ever? If, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I would, of course, say yes, you are. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> uh, here's an actual question from Saul Jassal. Uh, what is your recommended source for functional examples of the various features, computers, biometrics, and magic? blending together seamlessly. Uh, 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 is that like real life? Because <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> functional examples of various features blending together. Uh, 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 how, would, how would you, uh, Jake, how would you say that, they, you know, all of that well, working together? Th- think of some, some obvious examples are weapons with weapon fusions, mm-hmm. right? So like, you know, you can have your laser rifle, but then you buy your uh, bla- your fiery or, or whatever, the, one of your various Flaming weapon fusions that make your weapon magical and also give it a new, um, a new special effect or a new critical hit effect or some other fancy power, like you can call it to you, right? So, and those are very low level. Like you can buy those at first level. So a character can end up with a magic weapon, a magic laser gun pretty much right away. Um, and we even say in the core rule book, right? That, that often affects the appearance of the item. That's yeah. why I like to think of, you know, 
it's very clearly magical because now there's like glowing skulls and chains on it. A lot of our art, like the art for the various armors. I remember when I opened up Armory and we had that cool like Xenodruid armor that's like all plants and stuff. And, and a lot of that stuff looked very intensely cool magic and technology brought together. And I like that. Yeah, all our biomechanical ships, again, from the Xenowardens and the, like, the Raxalite ships yeah. uh, that are found uh, somewhere in the uh, Attack of the Swarm AP. There's an article about that. Um, and there's probably, I think that we, uh, some of that got picked up a little, a little bit for some, at least the, the, the biomechanical system. So like a biome a tree spaceship, uh, which you might see in a comic book like Saga, right? Yeah. That weird tree spaceship. Uh, we can, you know, that's something you could do in Starfinder with, a, with some, some tweaking of the cosmetics. Um, and because we have... We have the rules for it, basically, right? You can you just buy a mechanical spaceship. Just needs to be fed every once in a while. <laughs> and I would look um, at the Technomancer also. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the quintessential example of magic in interfacing with technology. Um, uh, <laughs> here's another question from Dominus X Machina. I had to read that correctly <laughs> because all the words are smushed together. Uh, real chance of accidentally reading that wrong. But any chance of us getting a Starfinder source book on the worlds of the vast, including those of the Atlantis Star Empire, at some point in the future? Um, I'm going to say that basically, uh, I think Rob McCree said this a bunch of times. We've done a book on the Pack Worlds. We've done a book on Near Space. Uh, there are basically three chunks of our setting that are divided into pack worlds near space in the vast yeah. so is there a chance i would say there's a 99 percent chance that we'll get one in the near future um when will that be we cannot say yeah we we all want to do it everybody here wants to do it it's a matter of finding the time and the resources to be able to do it and the, and the right time to do it yeah because uh, we have a lot of competing there's a lot of must-do books mm -hmm. yep uh, indeed, indeed. But yeah we all we all want it we all have a lot of great ideas that we want to put into it and and a lot of adventures we could write in those spaces mm -hmm. a lot of our adventure paths are going to the vast um, true. So you'll, you'll see some expansion there yeah it's always a good place to uh, i mean yeah again uh, uh, it's not a full source book but you know you check out any ap volume look in the back uh and our codex of worlds might have a single planet that might be in the vast, might be in near space might be somewhere else um but that's just always a good place for you know maybe adventure to start uh moving on uh, a question from Don Skurlock Games, or Don's Skurlock Games. Uh, what advice do you have for a new RPG designer regarding design, rules, story, etc.? Uh, do we have a whole other panel that we can set aside for this question? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, uh, Go ahead, Jason, if you want. No, no, I was just, I thought I heard Jake say, don't. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, said, I, I said Joe. I was going to oh, like Joe, that. Joe, fair enough. <laughs> Joe's the answer is do it. No, but I, because, uh, because I'm unlike afraid. Jake, I have faith in you. I think you yeah. can do it. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, I would say keep it simple. This is going to sound awful for people that are really excited to get into the, <laughs> into the space, but I would say, honestly, keep it simple and don't reinvent the wheel to start. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with looking at what has worked well. Like, play, first of all, play a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> play all different kinds of games and learn what works and doesn't work about each of them, what you like and don't like about each of them. And then, and then try, try it yourself and fail a bunch and try some yeah. more. Um, but definitely the thing I see people fall down on the most is trying to show the world that they've got like the most genius, unique thing ever right out the gate. And it can happen, but it's, it's hard to do and it's hard to do right. And it's really hard to do without drawing on tons and tons of really solid ideas that are already out there like there's no there's nothing wrong with building on on a solid foundation uh, yeah so i would i would say don't put too much pressure on yourself to to magically 
have created something no one has ever seen any in any way before uh, and do do what you think is fun and and keep it simple because uh, it's just a lot easier to have a, a, a pared down rule set that people at the table can actually play with and enjoy quickly yeah. than it is to have something that might be like you might have balanced it perfectly in your spreadsheets which by the way learn to love spreadsheets <laughs> if you want to do anything uh, regard with with dice rolls in it for instance uh, but uh, it's not necessarily going to translate to at the at the table play so Gosh, yeah, we could do a whole panel, couldn't we? Yeah, but the, yeah. I'll stop there. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I, uh, I want to uh, just reiterate uh, what you said, uh, the excellent uh, advice there. Um, and, and sort of like think about like what I, it's all like writing in a lot of ways too. Like uh, write something that you kind of know. It's There's nothing wrong with uh, starting like, I want to write a novel. You don't have to jump into that novel right away, right? You can write a bunch of short stories. You can write a story that's set in uh, the universe of your favorite TV show. If you're you know not going to try to publish that for money, that's there's nothing wrong with that to sort of get your chops going and figure, oh, this is what I like about a this genre or this, you know, this kind of thing. And this is the kind of thing I like writing. I like writing dialogue more than anything else, right? So maybe write something that's more dialogue based. And you can find out what you are good at and what you are need to work on and then work on that stuff if you want to. Um, focus on what you're good at. Uh, and uh, and and same same with creating an RPG stuff. Maybe you don't write a whole new game right out of the bat. Maybe you just write some feats for, for Starfinder or Pathfinder or something like that. Um, and uh, there are places where that you could get that out there, you know, stuff like Wayfinder or your own, you publish it under the, the OGL license and whatnot. But maybe you're just writing it for your home game. Try it out for your, for on your group. See how it uh, uh, plays. Um, play test stuff that's just like here's, you know, here's Starfinder, but uh, we're going to really focus more on vehicles. So I've created this vehicle thing um and and uh, and then from there maybe you can figure out you know oh maybe starfinders uh you know got uh, a lot of choices and i just want to pair this down to something that's just about uh you know picking your best car right and maybe i make a car role-playing game and you sort of as maybe then you know again with keeping it simple sort of drop some simple rules and, and start testing that out so it's all an iterative process in a lot of ways. Uh, it could take a while. <laughs> so yeah, be prepared oh, yeah. for it to take a while. Um, and if you're anything like me, uh, uh, try not to give up immediately if you're not good at something. Um, <laughs> I know that is uh, uh, something that I struggle with personally. Okay, shall we move on? Can I tack on to that really quick? Yeah, please do. I'm going to look for another question. Cool. It reminded me, you know, you're talking about other people, playtesting and, and that kind of thing. Definitely working with other people is a great way to... To improve as well because people will plug plug the holes that you have and help you see things that you're missing and uh, of course you want to make sure that they're they're interested before you <laughs> thrust your creations upon them but especially collaborative relationships can be great and you know don't worry too much about your stuff being stolen it, it takes a lot of work to get an idea out into the world so it's really not going to happen that much and we should mm -hmm. plug our friends at Freelance Forge who are mm -hmm. oh yeah a great community of uh, freelancers that work not just with Paizo, but other companies. And they're always welcoming new people. So that's, I think, freelanceforge.net. But if you Google FreelanceForge, you'll find them. Yeah, you'll find and there, there's some awesome people in there that can uh, help you get started. Can, yeah. I, can I add something to show Bridge? Sure thing, please. I just want to note that a lot of the things that I was thinking, as Joe and Keely were both talking, I had this list of things I wanted to say, and I just kind of marked them all off as Joe <laughs> and Keely talked. So listen to everything they just said and rewind and, and, and take good notes. But what I want to just suggest is, is figure out what your ultimate goal is real early. Because if you're just making a game for your table and like your players are on your table and you're like your regular group or whatever, 
like th that that's a brilliant fun like that that is not to be underestimated like you don't you don't have to like go to graphic design and layout and go to publishing and you don't have to worry about any of that shit if all you want to do is is play a, a design a great fun game ongoing campaign or one shot or whatever for your table but if you do want to do that thing if you if your goal is the hardback with your name on it and and i i I'm not throwing any shade at that either. Yeah, that's it's nice to have one. <laughs> it's tremendously gratifying to see that book come in the mail and, and say, I made this thing. Well, but that's, but that's a whole different process, right? Like you've got a whole different bunch of hurdles to jump through and some training and some new skills. And you're going to have to build a team because you can't do this stuff all by yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. there are some people that do, of course, but you know, God love them. I'm not one of them. And you need people. You're going to need graphic design people, or you're going to need, you know, artists, or you're going to need uh, editors, uh, or or uh, other playtesters. You're going to need, like Joe was talking about, you need other designers to kind of help you fill in the blanks on the things that you're not good at, or to help give you a point of view from outside your bubble. And and so sit down and give a think and decide what your ultimate goal is, so that you can just do that and not get off track trying to do something when you don't really need to if that's not your goal that was it got a, a dog agreeing with you over here <laughs> nice. uh so uh yeah i got another question here from darth charles one uh who says they love the starfinder system and setting but the rules for starship and vehicle combat are intimidating to them what are some ways to slowly break a newbie gm and players into starfighter and vehicle combat any any uh advice on that yeah um Pick one, first of all. <laughs> True. Don't try to jam both into a session. Uh, assume that either one will take a session. You know, just set aside the time just to, for your very first one. No one knows what they're doing. Just uh, allow ample time so you don't feel rushed through the process. And it's something I found really useful, especially for starships, um, although I could see this applying to vehicle combat too, is having just a little card that tells you if you are this, because starship combat you're broken into every player has a role in starship combat like uh, chief mate or science officer or what have you and they have a, a pretty limited set of actions to choose from and so rather than if i'm a player rather than having to understand how all of starship combat works i can focus on how my role on the ship works and if you just give them this is what the science officer can do and depending on what uh how many ranks they have in a given skill or what level they are they're going to have a pretty limited set of options that should give them you know, a feeling of agency without overwhelming them with too much information. Now, the GM is still going to have to pretty much know how everything works because they're running an entire starship. But you could, I mean, hopefully you're playing with people who are patient and 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 loving <laughs> and will be like, <laughs> hey, I have, if you're the GM and you need to roll for your science officer, just be like, hey, you have the science officer card, right? Like, what can I do? Yeah. It's, it's not a big deal, right? You're all yeah. learning together. Uh, and then once you've done a, a couple, then I think it flows pretty well. Uh, and then vehicle combat, you could do a similar thing with sort of the actions that are available. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have the rules reference cards that we put out as an accessory memorized, but there might be some in there that would help you. Um, I think with vehicle mm -hmm. combat, I'm not sure we were able to fit Starship Combat into that deck of cards, but uh, someone who has it should take a look <laughs> and, and uh, see. Looking around. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a good. Uh, just add add on to that a little bit, if I might. Um, the first, uh, I would love the I would love to have some play mats with like the 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 roles with all of the different um, actions listed on there, and then the players. Of course, now we're on a virtual world now, so we don't really have physical game aids anymore. Like you know, 
the, the play mat is kind of maybe a, a pre-COVID artifact. But one of the reasons, uh, the other thing I would really recommend is, is we've done some really great kind of demonstration videos for some of these things. Like John Compton did a Starship combat, sample Starship combat with a few of our fellow coworkers from Paizo. And you can watch, if you're one of those players that likes to learn things from YouTube, that's a great way to learn. But the, one of the main problems, like Joe is saying, you, once you play it a few times, it goes smoother. The problem is, is that often Starship combat and vehicle chases happen so infrequently that everybody's forgotten the rules by the time that they do it again. So it's like every time you do one, it's for the first time. If you're doing a Fast and the Furious in space and everyone's got vehicles <laughs> every game, which would be a fantastic AP, by the way, I would love to do that. Or if you're doing a game where everyone has, if you're doing X-Wing Rogue Squadron, where everyone's in a starfighter every game, this will become as, as easy to do as tactical combat. You, you will all know it. You'll be doing it all the time. So it, it'll become regular. But if it's not, if it's once something you're only going to be doing once every few game sessions, then yeah, give it more time. Give it the space that it needs. And everybody just kind of realize, well, we're all kind of trying to remember uh, yeah. stuff that yeah. we've forgotten from um, two months ago. Indeed. Um, uh, it's a thing that even like uh, uh, myself will be like, I've got the Starship Combat coming up, I know, in, in the uh, 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 in the adventure, right? But you know, we're about half hour before the end of the session. So I'm going to end it early because we're not going to start Starship Combat yeah. right this minute, even though it might be fast because you know, we all know it well enough. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, giving it giving it the space and time it needs is a, a very good advice. Um, moving on, I just want to kind of call out our good friend Vanessa Hoskins here, who does say yes, is giving big vats of biomatter slash UPBs a good method of loot distribution, um, <laughs> which is something that uh, is definitely prevalent in her threefold conspiracy adventure, the uh, uh, the cradle infestation, which uh, just has you go to the science facility and they just have this. Here's here's a big a pile of goo that's a uh, up that functions as upbs if you want to make some uh, biotechnology out of it so and so the answer is yes um uh, another question well not a question apparently from uh ein park but i want to uh read this anyway because it is nice um they just want to say that the Roll20 integration is nice for streaming the game and for players who may struggle with the additional rules when coming from other less intensive system thanks uh, you're welcome, but obviously that's all Roll Twenty. <laughs> we work with them, of course, but uh, there's some great programmers and 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 whatnot to who get all that stuff into the system, uh, so that you can even like putting the maps in from our adventure pass when you can uh, and scenarios when you can uh, uh, you know if you can afford to buy them, it sort of does all uh, does like ninety five percent of the work for you. Um, I, cool. I, I've been running my campaign on Fantasy Grounds Unity, and it's gone pretty also pretty smooth as well. Oh, okay. Great. It also has all of the adventure paths and, and everything already preloaded. And it's so like, you can literally just, you click on your character, you click on the target, it rolls all of your attack rolls and the damage and tracks the hit points and everything. Like it just, it, it, very cool. All right. Um, just look for another question here. I see um, one. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can uh, J-Rock 9430? Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to parse that number. Oh yeah. Fair enough. Nothing. Never mind. <laughs> please read it up. Uh, it says, can you please speak to PF2's uh, action economy and the possibility of Starfinder adopting it? Yeah, it's awesome. The three action economy is amazing. And I think it's universally loved here at Paizo and around the world. Uh, <laughs> Fingers crossed not, around the world. Yeah, I would not hold your breath that Starfinder is going to change, fundamentally change its action economy. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, it'll the possibility be is, is vanishingly small because we've built the whole game around. It, yeah. it's, it, it's tempting to think that, you know, you could just change the action economy, make a few tweaks here and there, but it is so fundamental to the engine of the system yeah. that uh, everything would break. <laughs> so mm. uh, I do like to think of, of Starfinder and, and Pathfinder sort of leapfrogging each other and learning mm -hmm. from each other. Uh, uh, and so whenever we have the opportunity for new rule systems, um, thinking of how much I should say about a book that's coming out, but nah, we'll leave it. <laughs> but, but we're constantly improving both games by learning from the other game. And so this, this is one change that I would not expect to see coming, but okay, agree that it's uh, awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, here's a question from TRDG11. Uh, the best way to handle downtime, say, in the Attack of the Swarm AP, side quest ideas. Uh, please team, I believe was the exact phrase. Um, so this is uh, um, uh, interesting because uh, uh, there is something that we have got coming up in the Fly for Your Die Adventure Path uh, that uh, I, I wanted to try to cram in there, and, and we were uh, Jake and I worked together to, to sort of figure out, you know, to do because as Fly for Your Die is, is has an episodic nature. Like try to chat that at you, but since you gotcha. grabbed it, that's that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind answering it, right? Like, it's... yeah, I wasn't sure how much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Talk about that. Okay, hey, we're back. Um, we're talking about downtime activities, especially in things like APs, where you might have a lot of travel time uh, in the drift, going from one uh, system to another. Uh, especially in Attack of the Swarm, you know, their uh, their soldier types they should be probably they'll be training, maybe retraining, uh, doing some some camaraderie camaraderie ness. That's not a word. I write words for a living. <laughs> I should know that. Um, you know, pal around, see. hanging out. Yeah, maintaining equipment is something they I, I could definitely yeah, see them do. Definitely. You're building definitely. drones. There's, there's a war on, so you always want to try to get wherever you're going as fast as possible. So there's a downtime activity for shaving a couple of days off your travel time, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You work out. You pump that iron. <laughs> pump iron. iron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I guess the way to, like, you know, those are all sort of ideas of what they could be doing. Which way to handle it is just sort of uh, uh, you don't need to plop the entirety of the downtime rules in front of your players and be like, pick one of those uh, for every day, for every week we're in, we're in the drift. Just be like, ask them generally. Uh, what do they want to do? Well, how are you spending this time? You're going to be in the drift yeah. for, you know, 16 days. Uh, and then just like, oh, well, that sounds a lot like the pump iron downtime activity. Um, and this is how that works. Uh, and give them the, you know, the information. Does that sound like you want to do it? Yeah, okay. And you'll get a plus whatever it is for for uh, for doing that. Um, so that's how I would handle it. Just, to, you know, be pretty straightforward. <laughs> uh, the other reason you can just also just sort of hand wave that whole trip uh, if you like. Um, or just to, let's see, what would be good, uh, uh, Jake, put you on the spot right now. Uh, sure. A good uh, miniature, mini side quest you have uh, uh, during uh, a trip in the drift, during the Attack of the Swarm AP, say around uh, level uh, six. Well, Five clearly six. some swarm have smuggled themselves onto your ship. Ooh, there you go. Right, so they're, they're, they're hidden in your cargo bay or they're hidden in some part of the ship and it, you can do it like a cat and mouse thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what they are, um, maybe if, if you're, depending on what kind of swarm you picked, you can even kind of fake out maybe what they are or what they aren't. So the players may not know what they are at first. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's what I would do. And, and uh, that would give you a chance to use the map of the player starship, which we don't mm -hmm. often get a lot, a lot to do. And uh, yeah, that's what I would do. I would do go, go all alien on it. <laughs> Always good. Yeah. Um, uh, our good friend Ron Levine is, 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 and other people are positing that I am a reptoid. I am not a reptoid. And then if I could, I would just nictate my eyeball. That's exactly <laughs> what a reptoid would say. Uh, well, what am I supposed to do with this? All right, fair enough. 
Um, Ron is even saying further that it's everyone who at Paizo whose name begins with J. Oh, oh, really? No. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that's a entire lot of cubes. Us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, uh, um, uh, what's the I can't remember the guys from Buckaroo Banzai who all have the same name. Uh, oh gosh, John, Before. John, many Johns, right? John yeah, John, many John, many John, many John, yeah, yeah. It starts with J, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help our case. <laughs> It does not. Uh, let's move on to some actual questions here. Jay Bowman, 12,000 again, uh, says that their group is pushing the upgrade limit for medium ships, uh, their medium starship, but don't have the bodies to crew a large ship if combat sidelines any of the PCs. What options can we recommend for a small crew looking to switch to a large ship? Uh, I'm just going to go right and say, go out and get that starship operations manual. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be able to find uh, the rules in there for virtual intelligences that I believe can sort of take on roles uh, uh, f- uh, for um, uh, uh, ships that, uh, you know, might need more people on them, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Or you, could, or you could bust up into squadrons and give everybody their own ship. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. That's, uh, if that's what your group wants to do, that's, that'd be pretty cool. Or if you're really looking for a large ship and you are worried... I, don't worry too much about the minimum. You just have an yeah. NPC that is hanging out and cleaning the bathrooms or whatever. Like it's obviously you want to. We we have the minimum complement for a reason, but it's it's not the firmest of rules. This is your yeah. game, and if that's stopping you from having the exact adventure you want to have in space, don't let it. <laughs> that's yeah, what exactly. I said. There, there's at least two Star Trek movies where the bridge crew of seven people fly the entire enterprise by themselves right yeah, where they're like right. i've got the engineering panel rigged up like a christmas tree captain okay so <laughs> if it's good yeah. enough for them it's good enough for us exactly yeah. yeah those yeah those minimum and the sort of uh minimum maximum crews are more for verisimilitude than sort of anything like of course this dreadnought has, has to be crewed by hundreds of people but again you know if, if, uh, 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 if you just have the pcs um on you just they want to fly something big uh you know just hand wave it or yeah. give some some other uh, explanation like you know everyone's got hooked up to uh, nano boosters that read <laughs> your minds and can you know do all the other stuff um so cool um ooh, here's a here's a question uh from hawali uh, will starfinder ever touch on earth in the ap's or stories that's like a secret of the packed world slash secrets of the Starfinder setting kind of question, right? Uh, technically, um, I think we've all, uh, we may have said this, that Earth is technically in like another galaxy from the Starfinder setting. Uh, and that the, the, the way that you get to it in Pathfinder is through obviously, you know, Bobby Yaga's hut, magical uh, woo-woo-ness. Um, so will we ever touch on it? I'm not going to say no, but I think it's, personally uh uh unlikely uh, uh not, not while i'm doing any adventures um not to say that i would never maybe just sort of hint at it here and there but uh you know it's it's a it's an outside chance at best I when when owen was still here and i was an editor and he was a developer we would talk about doing this and he would he would <laughs> he would frequently remind me that there is canon for it yeah i mean it's, that, that yeah. earth exists and characters from pathfinder have gone there so we could do it but but yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we have so many other, you know, because uh, as J Rock ninety four thirty saying, the vast is huge. We have a lot of other stories to yeah. tell, um, and uh, we uh, we'll probably get to end up getting to them first. Now, if something comes up that is like, you definitely need to go to Earth for some reason, um, because I'm not really sure what. Ye- 
year it would be on <laughs> earth since it was like 1910 and when you went there in pathfinder so uh time and also would that be time travel who knows oh my word oh it's it's, it's <laughs> making in, in many, me in many ways that's just really not our game genre like our our genre is more like star wars where earth doesn't exist you know and, and yeah you know, the, the, there's a million planets out there and it's the cantina aliens and it's not really about earth you know we're not not even in a Battlestar galactica quest for earth kind of way yeah yeah uh, yeah um, moving on, question from TRDG11. Any thoughts to a Kingmaker type AP in the future? Planet or planets exploration for the good of the pack worlds? And then uh, I'll, I'll face. Um, oh, this, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's on our big. Uh, uh, if you've come to any other panels where we talk APs uh, and people have questions like this, yeah. what's next? We, we ever thought about this AP? You ever thought about this AP? We have a big list of APs, and that is definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, it depends, you know, it just matters of like, we find the right time uh, and the right story for it uh will we uh uh, uh do it <laughs> we, we all want to do it but there's a lot of challenge about doing it right now uh, doesn't mean you can't do it on your own isn't that right joe galaxy exploration manual Pasini? sure is yeah my first thought of course was the <laughs> hardcover coming out next year that is all about uh planets making planets and exploring planets and we'll have an exploration subsystem and all sorts of advice written by one Jake Tondro, Jason Tondro, and developed by one Jason Keeley. So <laughs> uh, the AP experts telling you how to make adventures and campaigns of your own. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can definitely, with that book as a tool, you can do it yourself um, with a lot of expert guidance, which is pretty exciting. But yeah, thanks for yeah. that plug. I'm going <laughs> to poach the next question from JRock9430. Oh, yes. Which is, are you sure Dragonkin can fit into mechs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Asked and answered. Yep. <laughs> uh, here's a question for Jake uh, from Logic Poet. How much will Fly Free or Die use an ec economy minigame like the Kingdom Caravan or Militia Rules from PFAPs? Yeah, it does have one. It has a, a whole merchant rules set up. So you'll have rules for finding, buying, transporting, and selling cargo, which you will buy. You will buy cargo with build points. And then when you sell it, you will get build points. You're trying to buy low, sell high. And, uh, and then you can use those build points to upgrade your starship. Um, it's an optional rule system. If your group decides you don't want to do it, it's too much you know, hassle, or you just want to stick with build points going up every time you level the way you normally do, then that's fine. You can do that. But if you are a, if you are a fan of like the old, old school starship economy games, like Traveler or, or something online like EVE Online, or even a, a, a story like Serenity or Firefly, where the characters are constantly trying to get money because they have they have to fix things on their starship, and and there's a pressure there. There's a pressure there to continue to do jobs to keep their starship running. If if that's what you want to do, that's that's sort of built into the Fly Free or Die adventure path, and and there's a lot of ways that the adventure path hooks into that system um, to make use of it. Um, and you can, and if you get up with a lot of build points, you can do all kinds of things with it. You can expand your your business. You can uh, you, you can um, hire an agent, for example, in an Absalom Station or it, it, or in the pack or in a, um, the Viscarium or or any other system that you want to, who is looking for new jobs for you. So you can end up with this kind of network of NPCs who are your contacts and mm -hmm. fixers around the galaxy, which is kind of fun. It has a lot of role play possibilities there too. You can you can even you can even build a whole new second ship. Uh, and hire a crew to fly it that does nothing but run jobs, you know, to, to build your brand right, and get yeah. more cool points. Um, 
So there's a lot of neat ways that that system can now, but, but as someone else asked on a, on a previous stream, we want to separate it from the credit economy, mm -hmm. right? Because if you, if you can sell your heavy laser cannon off of your starship and use it to buy everybody a bunch of high level gear, well, now both systems are broken. Now your starship doesn't have the heavy laser cannon it needs <laughs> to, to match what we expect it to be able to do. And your group is too overpowered and they can walk through uh, all of the event, all the encounters that we designed for them. So, so it's a parallel. It uses the build point system and not the credit system, but there is an economy there. Uh, and, and I hope that you really enjoy it because Keely and mm -hmm. I both worked really hard on it. And I had a lot of help yeah. from Joe to help me get the mechanics. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's something that's not necessarily 100% tied into Fly for Your Dice. If you just want to grab that first volume, get yeah. those rules, and then run your own sandbox campaign where everyone's Eve onlining everywhere, <laughs> go for it. Uh, moving on, a uh, question from Shitray. you. Um, will there ever be a book devoted to the topic of cyberspace, artificial intelligence, digital environments, perhaps as its own dimensional plane, other native digital life with less sapience than an AI, digital weapons, and digital combat? Basically, a Starfinder version of Tron. Oh. Well, so question. We have a playtest running now for Starfinder. Check it out at starfinderplaytest.com mm -hmm. for a new class called the Nanosites, which uses nanites and a new system or mech uh, building in combat. And as part of that playtest, we revealed the name of a book <laughs> uh, called Tech Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, so while it may not be entirely focused on what you've talked about, uh, I would expect to see some information about what, what exactly what you're asking about yeah. in that book. Uh, John Compton is the lead developer on that book. And he definitely has an interest in uh, communicating to the audience via this book and books like this, what is it? What is the world like? What is it really like to live in the world where these things are possible and true? And so, yeah, that's the first thing I think of when you. Uh, uh, the thing I'm thinking of is um, Starfinder AP volume 29, uh, Hive of Minds. It's the fifth volume of the Attack of the Swarm AP. Uh, we have an article uh, about mindscapes, uh, which are kind of a um, more of a, a psychic thing, uh, you know, sort of taken a little bit from Pathfinder's old Mindscape stuff uh, from like Occult Adventures uh, to represent, you know, this kind of psychic Mindscape that you go into in the game. But it also can represent, and we mentioned this in the article, uh, virtual spaces, you know, VR areas where you're just, you're not, you're controlling something that's not necessarily used. You can't bring your stuff in, but maybe you can alter it because you're so good at, you know, hacking into the VR that you, uh, you know, enter the cheat for God mode and can do stuff like that. So uh, we, we touch on it here and there. Uh, uh, yeah, but Tech Revolution is going to be your best bet for it, for kind of a book on, on this sort of thing. Uh, we talk a little bit about virtual intelligence, at least for Starships and Starship Operations Management. Manual. Uh, so I got a little, little bit things here and there. Um, I think it would not be difficult to to sort of hack a Starfinder version of Tron uh, just by you know describing things differently. You could just basically say, "Hey, everyone, make another character." And if you wanted to be like, "My Mystic is a soldier in the you know uh, the the virtual world." Hey, you just have this soldier chassis, and your guns have more neon on them than they usually do, and you have normal fights. But then when you die or you know get reduced to zero hit points, for instance. Um, you defrag and, and you wake up from the virtual right. You know, there's, there's things you could easily, uh, I think, do just by taking the, the main uh, chunk of rules and just kind of describing them differently. Yeah, one, one of the challenges, I love Tron. Like I, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the old, old guys on this, this show, but I remember that film and I remember watching it in the theater and, and, I, and I love it at, with a kind of nostalgic passion. But there's some real challenges in doing it in a game because as Keely alluded to, it really separates you from all the stuff that's actually your character, yeah. right? Like 
if you're a spellcaster, well, can you still cast spells in cyberspace? If you're a soldier and you rely on your high strength and your physical dexterity, well, why, does any of that carry over? It's kind of like a whole nother character creation system, a whole nother universe. And that, that, that sounds really fun unless you're the person that's like, well, I don't get to play my character. I don't, all, the, all the reasons why I picked the class that I picked aren't relevant in this cyberspace universe. So it only really works if the whole adventure story is in it. Right. Or if you have two characters and you're swapping back and forth uh, and, and that requires a lot of investment. That's like a, a self-contained adventure or it's a whole adventure path. And and that's 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 a tough sell. Right. To like, Ooh, let's do this yeah. adventure path where you don't get to actually play your character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of hard. It's tricky. It's tricky. I mean, I would always be like, you know, this is the whole adventure path is you are Tron, you know, your programs in Tron. Right. And then yeah. you just make a character as normal. Um Oh boy, we are getting low on time. So let's do, uh, oh, and I, I can't scroll back. I've scrolled too far in the chat. I may have missed some questions and I apologize for that. So we're going to do some um, lightning round questions, uh, starting with uh, uh, J Rock 9430. Are we going to get an unprecedented level 1 to 20 12 book AP, maybe on the gap of Mr. Zaglarian? That would be amazing. It sure would. Uh, uh, don't hold your breath for it at the moment. We are uh, uh, working on some other projects. And if we ever want to do that, it would be at least like two years in the future. Um, so I'm going to go on that. For I'm gonna just move on from that. Um, do 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 do. Um, oh gosh, another. Uh, I'm gonna skip that question. Um, <laughs> but, uh, someone already said yes to the Fast and Furious AP. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, uh, Hawaiian. Oh, I, that's what it is. That's I thought those were L's. It just is Hawaiian nut. I think I may pronounce that uh, username uh, weird. Will there be uh, standalone adventures? It's uh, something that we want to be able to do. Um, and uh, it just requires us to, to figure out how to fit it into our super busy, super tight schedules. Uh, and just jump yeah, in and say that Starfinder do. Society scenarios can often serve as really good standalone adventures. If you're looking for that kind of great stuff. point. Great point. Great point. Um, those bugs got everywhere. Uh, maybe I went too fast. Because so, <laughs> now I don't see. Yeah, we kind of scrolled past, I think, a lot of them. I did, and now I can't scroll back for some reason. No, I did too, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to see how much scroll was left, and I scrolled too forward, so I, I apologize. But we only have about five minutes left before we have to uh, get a question. I'm just going to scroll really to the end. While you're um, looking for questions, I want to yes, plug our new website uh, feature, which is the new Starfinder FAQ and errata page. Mm -hmm. So if you just Google Starfinder uh, FAQ or Starfinder errata, you will find this page. It's technically at paizo.com slash starfinder slash FAQ, but who can be bothered? So uh, once you get there, you can, there's a search function that works nicely. You can just type in, if you're looking for something about the spell slice reality, or maybe starship DCs is a popular <laughs> uh, change that people might be interested in. You can now go there, type in your question, and it'll automatically filter and show you only the, the answers, either answers or errata that are relevant to you. And we're working on updating that all the time. There's uh, several books represented on there. And then of course we have our forums where a lot of those questions come from initially where you have the ability to post a question in our rules question forum under Starfinder. Uh, other people, great people will answer the question for you sometimes. Uh, other times it takes everyone being like, yeah, what is the answer to this and smashing the FAQ button. And then we get our big glaring, you know, our big red klaxon, which is only in my room now instead of <laughs> at the office. <laughs> and, and, and then I go, oh, let me answer this for everyone so uh, people can continue to play the game and enjoy it. So that is the Starfinder FAQ. You can find that online and it's a great newish resource for uh, finding 
up-to-date answers on pressing rules questions. Terrific. All right, I've got some questions here. Uh, take a few more of these uh, before we have to end for the afternoon. Uh, question from TRDG11 again. Any thought to a Starfinder hero point system or would that not work for this? I mean, we have our resolve points. Yeah. Throwing on hero points on top of that would be tricky. Joe, would you think maybe like there could be a way to use resolve points in a similar fashion? Yeah, I think that could be a subsystem in the future, potentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd imagine it would go along with an AP in some regard, like maybe. A, a specific story. And then, of course, you can always take that and use it for specific stories that that makes sense on. But yeah, resolve points are kind of our... They're kind of, yeah, yeah. They doesn't, they mean, obviously, they don't give you the rerolls that hero points yeah. do in second edition. But, you know, if you want to, like, say, give everyone, like, one or two extra resolve points and say you can also use them to to reroll but then 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 you get into whole economy yeah. of it because you've got resolve points spending on spells and class mm -hmm. abilities and other things so it might uh, people probably end up using them mostly on rolls <laughs> including rerolls i mean some rerolls are powered by resolve points anyway yes so. yes true fair <laughs> enough um so uh moving on to a uh, question from jrock 9430 hacking could be more interesting than just a computer's role any thoughts uh tech revolution tech revolution oh, sorry, yeah tech revolution <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to keep an eye out for um, and, um, oh gosh, also J-Rock is asking about a Starfinder video game. Yeah, we'd love one. Um, uh, <laughs> here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a big one that we might just end up on because it's a, such an open-ended question, uh, from Don Scarlock Games. Again, what are some of the challenges we faced in designing Starfinder? And let's, I want to open it up to just sort of like anything that you've worked on since you've come into the, into the team to, for Jake. Uh, what's your biggest challenge? Let's go also, what was your biggest challenge? Uh, uh, working on this game in any capacity, a book, uh, a, a bit of rules text. Shoot, shoot, me? Any one of you. Uh, or I'll go first. I'm thinking. Uh, I'll uh, go first. That's a, that's a wonderful quick question for our last three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I, thought, I, I thought it would take the last three minutes to, to answer yeah. it at least. Um, so this uh, is going to be our last question. The biggest challenge. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, the thing that I like the least is inventing um, five different kinds of every kind of gun. So, <laughs> five different levels so so when we have to like because we have to invent a lot of new gear we add a lot of new gear and equipment to a lot of ap's and we have and so we're inventing new kinds of equipment and and it quite frankly gets a little bit intimidating like my players in fact have said like there's just so much stuff like it, it's kind of overwhelming the amount of amount of gear in terms of weapons and armor that that, that they can buy and and need to have and um and so that that's a bit of a challenge. I, I have to confess. Yeah. No. I remember uh, uh, during the, the the first earlier days of Starfinder when we had that list of of laser weapons and whatnot. And I think uh, James Sutter was like, "We need to come up with like, so these aren't just like laser weapon, laser gun, laser pistol, Mark One, laser rifle, Mark One." Yeah. Uh, so that's where the whole. I just started thinking about things like, well, I don't know, uh, azimuth, Corona. That's where all that came from. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. for, uh, so uh, if you have uh, problems with uh, having all those crazy names um i'm partially to blame for that curse you keely yeah but but i mean there were already like four you know four levels of laser pistol that had to be named i just had to make the names up that was yeah the challenge um yeah just just sort of the at the very beginning the biggest challenge was just sort of this thought of like starfinder needed to kind of really be semi-compatible with Pathfinder first edition stuff. We talked about like, well, you should be able to just grab some, you know, if you need to, we got, you know, we kind of have weird monsters in, in first edition space monsters sometimes too. Maybe grab them and move them forward. But obviously there was so much that had changed. So it, it, it became a tricky thought that probably some stuff probably fell through the cracks or, or uh, didn't get picked up in such a way. 
that was tricky. Uh, it would have been it would have been cool if we could just kind of completely. I mean, obviously, it would still have been a D20 game with hit points and class levels <laughs> and stuff, but to just be able to completely divorce the idea of of using any kind of like first edition, you know what I mean? I, I do know nice. what you mean. You kind of stole my answer. Uh, oh, sorry. But no, I, it's along the same lines. I think one of my most consistent challenges design-wise and even uh, just concept-wise for Starfinder is that it is not Pathfinder in space. It is its yeah. own game system with its own rules and its own setting. Uh, and we have a lot of really talented people that are juggling three or more systems in their head at any given mm. time. And so it can be tricky to, to, to focus in and produce things for Starfinder that are uniquely for Starfinder. Um, but it's, it's a fun challenge, so. Indeed, okay. Uh, well, that just actually brings us up uh, uh, about time. If anyone has like maybe a quick, any last words, uh, uh, otherwise we are going to uh, turn it on over to uh, dragons and things, which will be coming up just next. Playing Starfinder. Uh, playing Starfinder. So here's some more fun Starfinder action for you. If you Thank want you to all for coming. You, you, yeah. you all make the game. Can't do it without you. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Thank you all for listening to us. And um, please, please stay tuned for some good Starfinder actual play with dragons and things. No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out nodirectionpodcast.com.